Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. What's up, church family? How are y'all doing? Are y'all doing good? Y'all doing good? You glad you're, glad you're here today? Hey, happy Father's Day to Josh, not to, not to Grace, to Josh. Hey, online church family, so glad that you're here as well, wherever you are um, in the world watching today. Um, so today we're talking about zeal for the Lord. Um, but before we do that, Grace already did it, but it is a special day for some of the gentlemen here. So we have fathers. Can you stand up? If you're a dad, granddad, great-granddad, can you stand up? Yeah, can we give it up for the dads here? Can we give it up for the dads? Yeah, isn't it awesome? All right, y'all can have a seat. Y'all can have a seat. Hey, thank y'all so much for your service to your families because w- without you, you wouldn't be a family, right? So thank y'all so much for your service and happy Father's Day. And speaking of Father's Day, there's a picture behind me. I became a dad almost two years ago. And there's a little, little Ainsley Mae Robinson. I became a dad on August 7, 2021, y'all. And that was one of the best days of my life. And so I, 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 told, I told Sun City this, but like whenever, whenever you're expecting, right? When you're expecting, people come up to you and they go, you don't know what love is until they are birthed. And I'm like, what? You don't know what love is until your child's birthed. And I'm like, okay, thank you, I guess. But I, I, but I, I didn't, right? When, when you have a baby enter the world, you see that, that, that precious life and you go, wow, that is love. I know what love is. I now know what they're talking about, y'all. And, and that love, is a, it resembles Christ's love for us in a minuscule way, right? Christ's love for us is so much more powerful, so much more deep than, than our love for our family members or our, our children or our, our friends or whoever, right? We, but we get to see a tiny glimpse of Christ's love here on earth. And man, it is so Awesome. So again, fathers, happy Father's Day to all of you. Next, you're, you're going to see a picture behind me, and, and you can tell by my voice, it's a little raspy, it's a little raw right now. I just got back from camp on Wednesday. We took 20 students to Camp Glorietta, and this is our last day right before we left the camp. We took 20 students out there, and we're talking about zeal for the Lord today. Y'all, and if you want to see zeal for the Lord, please come to the youth group. Y'all, these students pictured here, the students that are going to be going to boot camp, the students that are going to be helping out with Backyard Bible Club, y'all, they have zeal for the Lord, right? At boot camp, we're training them how to teach kids in our area about Jesus Christ and his love. They're then going to go out and boot in, in the Backyard Bible Club, and they're going to go be going into Georgetown and into Gerald, telling those students about Jesus. So again, if you want to see zeal in action, please come to the youth group because these kids have so much zeal for Jesus, right? So uh, getting back to my sermon, Brian challenged me a couple of months ago. He said, hey, Troy, hey, you're on deck. You haven't, you haven't spoken in a while. We want you to speak, and I want you to prepare a message that is only yours. I want you to prepare a message that God has placed on your heart. And, and after my conversation with Brian, I, I walked out of the office, and I go, okay, God, what are you, what are you telling me? God, what, what have you put on my heart and y'all and my, my prayers and I was waiting for God to tell me and, and honestly, y'all, it was, it was radio silent. It was radio silent there for a second. But it, one day I was traveling to go pick up Ainsley May from my mom's house. She, she watches her a couple times a week and I was, I was driving to my mom's house and we listened to the song Zeal that we just sang not that long ago. 
Yo, and when I heard that song, it was like the Holy Spirit downloaded a message into my mind, and I was like, okay, God, if that's what you want me to say, give me my main points, and he laughed at me. <laughs> and he said, it doesn't work that way, Troy. Let's walk this together, and so we're gonna be talking about zeal for the Lord and what I've gotten from him and his holy scriptures. But before we talk about zeal, before we can dive into having zeal for the Lord, we have to know what the word zeal means, right? Because we don't use the word zeal in our everyday language. And so I looked up the word zeal students. I know junior high is canceled because of the AC, so you're in here today with me. Y'all know that I love giving you definitions of words that we may not use all the time. And so zeal is this. It's an enthusiastic and diligent devotion. So when you love something or someone, you have so much love for that, it doesn't matter what happens, that will never be broken. Y'all, this, this, this definition of zeal reminds me of this guy that I heard about a few months ago. His name's Tommy Ray and his zeal for Alabama football. Yeah, y'all about, about to hear it. Right, so Tommy Ray loves Alabama football so much that they wrote an article in Sports Illustrated about the guy. Right, and this is the title of that, of that article. Tommy Ray, blessed to have witnessed 50 straight Alabama football seasons. So before we even get into the meat of the article, before we even read what he's done, you get a picture of Tommy Ray and his zeal for Alabama football. It doesn't matter if they win or lose, he's there for 50 straight seasons. And so here's just a snippet of what the article says about Tommy Ray. Celebrating another Alabama football national championship would have been the cherry on the top of an amazing milestone for Tommy Ray. The Crimson Tide didn't bring home its 19th national title, falling to Georgia and Indianapolis, but it doesn't take away from Ray's accomplishment. Ray's trip to Indy to witness the 2021 finale capped his 50th straight season of attending Alabama football games. The loss to Georgia was game number 633 in a row, and number 659 overall. To put that number in perspective, Alabama has played 1,339 games since its inaugural season in 1892. Ray has witnessed almost 50% of them. If he attends the next 21, Ray will have seen exactly half of the program's football games. Ray from Huntsville, and a lifelong Alabama fan obviously, has logged more than 380,000 miles over the last 50 years. He has been to 55 stadiums in 24 states and has seen 86 opponents. Alabama's overall record with Ray in attendance is 510 wins, 145 losses, and four ties. So after reading just that small snippet of Tommy Ray and his love for, for Alabama, you can see his zeal for Alabama football. He sacrifices time, he sacrifices money, he sacrifices his cars to go and watch them play wherever they are. And he's become famous that they write an article about him in Sports Illustrated. When Tommy Ray looks back at his life, y'all, he's gonna see really awesome wins. He's gonna feel devastating losses. He will see history made Y'all, he's gonna have hundreds, if not thousands of stories about his travels to and from different stadiums. And I'm sure that when he goes to see Jesus, because in the article he said he loves Christ, right? Thank goodness. When he goes to see Jesus, his tombstone is gonna be dipped in that crimson red and roll tied in the middle, <laughs> right? Because he loves Alabama football, y'all. However, 
with all that time invested, all the miles driven, and all of the money spent, Tommy never played a second on the football field. He never became an Alabama football player, and he never won a national title. Y'all, and it's an accomplishment, right, to watch 659 games in person, but that's all it'll ever be to Tommy, just a game. So now we need to flip to our role as Christ followers. We've been called to get off the bench, get in the game, and tell people about Jesus and his love and his mercy and his kindness, just like our students are going out in a couple of weeks. So we're talking about being zealous for God, but, but what are we talking about? I'm going to be talking about today how we can be zealous for God in our waiting, in our prayer, and in our worship. So how do we do that? Well, we've got to go to God's word, right? And so first, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about how we need to be zealous in times of waiting. So we're going to be going to Joshua 6. So if you have your Bibles, flip over to Joshua 6. And this is, we're talking about the fall of Jericho here. So Joshua 6 verses 1 and 2 say this. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. So before we dive into the rest of the story, right, we've got to kind of know about Jericho. We have to know why Jericho is important in order to get some context of, of this story. And so Jericho, when, by the time that the Israelites and Joshua got to, to Jericho, that city was already hundreds of years old. Old, so it was established, right? And back in that day, in that area, it was known as a military power, and it had military strength. If you were to walk around the wall of Jericho in certain sections, it would be 25 feet high and 20 feet thick. So if you're walking up to Jericho as an Israelite looking at it, you're going, this thing's impenetrable. There's no way I'm getting in without a fight. But what does God say in verse 2? See, I have what? delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Y'all, so before the fighting even began, God said, the city is yours. You don't have to scheme. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry. You're not going to fight. All you have to do is trust me. All you have to do is wait on me. Let's continue. In verses three through five, and this is God speaking. March around the city once, and all the armed men, with all the armed men, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall and all the city will collapse and the army will go in. Everyone, uh, everyone straight in. So y'all, this is God speaking to Joshua. God is giving Joshua the military plans, right? He's saying, walk around that city, walls are gonna fall, you're gonna go in. Now, can y'all imagine Joshua when God says that? Can you imagine he's going, wait, God, hold up. I've got an army behind me. I've got you. Why don't I go in and fight my own fight? And if, if, if you ever read the Bible, do you ever put yourself in those, those characters' shoes? I know that I do. And, and we as humans, if I was Joshua, I would have wanted control. I would have not wanted to wait. I would have been like, God, I need to see visible action day one. But God tells Joshua, wait, I've got you. So what did Joshua do? Let's go to verses 8 through 11. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. 
The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word. And so the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Also, Joshua listened to God. Joshua knew that God was going to make a, a way, right? Because he had seen what God had done with Moses because Joshua was his right-hand man. He had seen God work. He had then heard God say, I am going to fight this battle for you. And he believed God's word and he knew that it was true. Now, did he know how this was going to work? No. He had no idea how God was going to work because God is too powerful for us to know. But he had seen God work before. and He knew that he was going to see God work again. So let's see what happened on that last day. On the seventh day, they got, up, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest shouted, the trumpets blast, oh, the priest sounded, the trumpets blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet. When the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. You know, so they listened to God. They, they trusted God. They walked around the city, and, and they shouted, and the wall collapsed. And I, I think that when we read these stories, we're like, yeah, God is so good, man. They, they trusted God. Can you imagine what these soldiers were thinking for those seven days? Right, God, God tells Joshua, walk around the building. And so day one, Joshua's like, all right, guys, let's walk around the building. And they walk around, they go back to their tents and they wait. They get up day two, Joshua's like, yep, time to go. Let's walk around the building again. So they, they get up and like, okay, we're doing it again. Y'all then day three comes. Joshua goes, time to walk around the building again. Can you imagine what the soldiers were thinking. Can they, they're probably thinking, what is Joshua having us do? I mean, look at the soldiers of Jericho. They're laughing at us. Days four and five, they're probably like, we look so dumb doing this, right? Is God there? God is telling us to walk around this wall. There's no way Joshua is crazy, right? That's what they're thinking. I can guarantee. Not really right. Yo, but I can, I can guarantee that those six days before the wall fell were L-O-N-G, long. They got up, walked around the wall, and went back to their tent, and they waited. And it doesn't tell us here, right, but I'm, I'm sure that Joshua, even though he told his, his army not to speak, he could hear grumbling from them. I'm sure that Joshua also looked at the wall and saw the, the town of Jericho laughing at them. And I can guarantee being a leader, his anxiety and his stress was raising through the roof. However, Joshua never, ever wavered. And he trusted God in those seven long days. And it ended up working out in his favor. So my question to you is this, what walls have you been waiting to fall? Maybe it's a relationship to heal. Maybe you've got a job promotion that's, that's coming that you've been waiting on for a while and praying that that's going to happen. Maybe some of us in this room are just asking for a little break. Every single person in this room is waiting on something. But, but hold fast, y'all. Whatever you're waiting on, 
whatever you've been praying for, wait, hold the line because God's got a plan through the waiting. So wait zealously for God. Second, uh, we need to be zealous for God in our prayer. So there are many ze- uh, examples of zealous prayer in the Bible, right? From, from Moses to Isaiah and, and Jesus and, and Paul. But I've been going through the, the Old Testament with uh, my mentor, and, and we, we landed in 2 Kings, right? In 2 Kings, there's a, a prayer by King Hezekiah that really stood out to me that I want to talk about today. So we're going to 2 Kings 19. 2 Kings 19, 14 through 19 says this. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over, the, over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words that Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now the Lord our God delivered us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. So again, in order to to know what we're talking about, we've got to know the history, right? We have to know what's going on in this time of the world. And so we're going to look back at chapter 18, right before this happened. And and, and for those of y'all that don't know, Assyria is a powerhouse, in this time, right? They're going and they're destroying nations. They're destroying all of these cities and they're conquering all this land because they want more power. And they're coming after Judah. They've captured all of their cities. And then one day a messenger from Assyria goes, we're here. Give us your city, walk away to another land. That way we can have it or you're dying. Right, and so Assyria has the receipt saying, we've killed all these people. We've conquered all of these nations. You're next on our list. If you don't walk away, you're dead. And so the people of Israel, of, of Judah, sorry, are scared. They're looking to Hezekiah for leadership. So let's see how Hezekiah first responds. And he responds like any sensible person would do. 2 Kings 19.1. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth. Right, so he, he tears his clothes. He's so distraught, he's so stressed, he's so upset, he doesn't know what to do. And back in that day when you tear your clothes, that's a sign of grief, of loss, of mourning. And so Hezekiah answers f- first with that. But then he does something amazing. Right after he does that, it says this, and then he went into the temple of the Lord. So Hezekiah, like us, right, when we, we feel loss or we feel pressure or we feel anxiety, we, we, we start with emotion, right? We, we might cry, we might yell out, we might, we might go to somebody and vent, we might do all these things in emotion, but then Hezekiah shows us what we need to do next. He doesn't stay there in his emotion, he doesn't stay there in his loss and his self-pity, he goes directly to the Lord. And while he's in the temple of the Lord, praising God through this and praying to him, he also sends a messenger out to Isaiah, who is a prophet, because he wants word directly from God through Isaiah. King Hezekiah, he didn't try to turn to a trusted friend. He didn't go to his military advisors. He didn't try to fight it out himself. He went immediately to his one true source of wisdom, power, and strength, and that's God. And because Hezekiah trusted God in this battle, y'all, God showed up in an amazing way that blew everyone's mind. Look at 2 Kings 19.35. 
That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Also, Hezekiah prayed the next day, 185,000 people are dead. God shows up in impossible ways, right? Did Hezekiah know that's how he was going to handle it? No, he didn't know God was going to kill 185,000, but he knew that in an impossible situation, God was going to show up in an impossible way. So how can you be zealous in your prayer life? Maybe you've gotten a sudden diagnosis that you don't know how to handle. Maybe you've been praying for an estranged relationship of son or daughter or brother or sister, aunt or uncle or whatever. Maybe you've got financial problems up to your eyeballs and you don't know how you're going to get out. Or maybe you're praying that you, can, you have the courage or the ability to share your faith with a loved one or a neighbor or a coworker, or colleague or whatever. Y'all, that list of things that we can be praying for can go on and on and on. But both big and small, God wants you to bring those prayers to him because he hears your prayer. And like Hezekiah, God showed up in an unexpected way. And those unexpected ways are super awesome to see. So be zealous for God in prayer. Lastly, we need to be zealous for God in our worship. So we're going to Psalm 103, 1 through 5. It says this, Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So again, in the last two sections of scripture, we can't take this out of context, right? We kind of have to know who's writing this and, and why they're writing this. And so this psalm was written by King David. And, and I, I'm assuming most of us know who King David is, but if there's somebody in here who doesn't, let me give you a little rundown about who King David is. So King David first was Jesse's youngest son, right? And so Samuel, who is a prophet, hears from God, hey, you're going to anoint one of Jesse's sons. Go and find him. And so Samuel goes, finds Jesse's sons, and he sees the biggest, tallest, meanest looking one. He's like, that's got to be in God's like, not. And he goes through all of his sons, and he finds little David, who is a shepherd, who is the least of these, who wasn't even called to be looked at by Samuel. And then as soon as Samuel sees David, God goes, that's him, anoint him now. Right, David is also the guy who defeated Goliath, right? When the, all the rest of Israel was, was scared of fight, fighting Goliath, he said, I've got God on my side, I'm gonna kill him. And he did, right? David is also known as a man after God's own heart. So David has awesome wins for God, right? But David also has terrible, or, or he has a bunch of wins, he also has terrible losses, right? For instance, when he's, he's up in the palace looking down, he sees a beautiful woman bathing, and he has an affair with her. He gets her pregnant and then tries to convince her husband that it's his baby. He doesn't, he doesn't believe it, and so he sends the guy off to war to die. So David is a murderer. David also lied to a, a priest, right? He, he was running away from Saul, but he told the priest, Ahimelech, that he had a mission that he was going on and that he needed, he needed help. And so he lied to this priest. Later, Saul found out. He thought that the priest was going against him. And 85 priests ended up dying because of David's one lie. So David... Life sounds a lot like ours, right? I mean, we don't, you know, we, uh, hopefully we haven't had 85 people killed because of a lie that we've told, right? But we, but we lie, 
right? You know, we also have really awesome wins like sharing our faith and leading people to Christ and defending our faith. So his life sounds a lot like ours. <clears throat> but how do you respond in times of great and awful? David responded with zealous worship. Look at verses one and two. Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. You also hear David is exhorting his soul. He's saying, soul, praise God. He's not waiting for a good feeling. He's not waiting for another victory. He's not waiting for the right time. He's saying, God is worthy of my praise despite my circumstances and despite my feelings. He then goes on and reminds himself of God's goodness in verses three through five. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles? Y'all, right here, David is saying God is everything. He forgives you when you've done wrong. No strings attached. He says he's a healer that... Whatever disease you have is not too big for God to handle. He's saying that God is love and compassion. He takes away your hurts. He can take away your pain. He can take your anxiety. He can take away your depression. He can take those things away and make you new. He is worthy of our worship because of who he is, not what he does. So where can you be zealous in your worship? Maybe we can be zealous in our worship on the daily, right? When you're driving to H-E-B or whatever and somebody cuts you off, can you worship God then? Right? That's hard, right? Can we worship God in our triumphs going, God, you have given me the skills. You have put me in this position for a reason. I thank you for what you've done in my life. This one's a little harder. Can you worship him in your fails or in your losses or in your defeats? Can going, God, I don't know what's happening here. I don't understand your plan, but I'm going to worship you because you are worthy and you are good. Or can we worship him when we don't feel like it? We can all worship God more in our lives. So being zealous for the Lord can be super tough, right? Like I'm, I'm you know, I'm talking to y'all about this and y'all probably thinking, oh, Troy, you're perfect at it. I'm not. Y'all, I, I, it was not that long ago that I was not zealous for the Lord in a certain situation. And, and I'm going to be talking about, about something pretty personal uh, up front. But I want you to know that I showed the picture of my baby girl earlier, right? Ainsley May, love her death. She is the best thing that's ever happened to me besides my wife. That was one of the, you're welcome, babe. Um, <clears throat> right? Best day of my life. That was the, the best thing that has ever happened to me. Yo, but that was also one of the worst days of my life. And so for those of y'all that don't know the, the birthing story, I already asked Ashley for her permission, so I'm gonna share it here today. But after Ainsley was born, she came out of, the, the, out of, out of her mom, out of the womb, with life in her, in, her, in her lungs. And for the next 15 minutes, the doctor tried to stop Ashley's bleeding. But the bleeding didn't stop. And so they were sewing, 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 trying to put pressure, sewing, 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 trying to put up the pressure. And eventually there got so, there got so much blood that the doctor started to turn white. Her eyes lit up. And she told the nurses, we have to go to the OR right now. And so they don't fool around, right? And so they unplug Ashley's bed from the wall and off they go. The last nurse hands me my baby girl and I'm standing right where her bed was holding this little baby and I have no idea what's happening to my wife. And for the next two hours, and I got emotional in Sun City, I'm gonna try not to do it here. For the next two hours, y'all, I waited. I had to wait on God. And this one, waiting is the toughest for this guy up on stage. I hate waiting. 
you know, but I waited for God because that's all I could do. I couldn't do anything else. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. I can't sew my life up. I have to wait and trust on their abilities. You know, I was helpless because I had this little baby in my arms. I'd rarely never actually held a baby before and I had to change her first diaper. I didn't know how to do that. So I'm helpless with this baby in my arms. I have no idea what's going on. You know, and I wasn't getting answers. I was that guy calling every five minutes to the nurse's station, tell me about my wife. Where's my wife? What is she doing? And this is during the COVID era. And I'm like, I'm going to come out into the hallway and cough on everybody if you don't tell me where she is. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't do that. God had me refrain. Y'all, but in that, in that moment, in that desperation, I knew I had zero control. And once I finally realized that, I began to pray. And I prayed because that's all I could do. But looking back now, that's all I needed to do. I prayed because I needed comforting. And I prayed because I knew he was in control. You know, and during my prayers, with tears running down my face, I felt this overwhelming peace that I can only attribute to God. But I knew that he had my wife, myself, and my baby girl in his hands. And then after the, the nasty crying came and I was, I was like kind of done praying because God, I have no other words. My senses came back to me and we had this worship playlist playing, uh, playing in the, the, the uh, uh, delivery room and my senses came back and I heard this song and I started to worship God immediately. And I didn't worship God for any other reason but because he is sovereign. He is good. He had a plan. He was not shaken by what was going on. And I worshiped him because he was the only thing that could have given me overwhelming peace. So in closing, we are all called in this room to live zealously for God, no matter our circumstances, no matter our feelings, and no matter our hesitations, because in every single situation, he has a plan that's greater than ours. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Y'all, when we live zealously for the Lord in our triumphs, in our defeats, and in our ordinary day-to-day, we live in his will, and when we're living in his will, we can point others to him. So y'all remember Tommy Ray that I mentioned a little while ago? Zeal for Alabama football, roll tide, baby. When he walks around his town, People know who he rooted for. However, Tommy Ray never got in the game. So what are you known for? Are you known for your zeal for God? Or are you known for something else? And if you're not in the game, are you going to get in? So in times of prayer, or waiting prayer and worship, y'all live zealously for him and him alone. Before I, I pray, we're going to have some, some prayer warriors come up to the stage, and I want to invite you to go to them. If you feel the Holy Spirit, Troy, I've been praying for a while for something. Troy, I've been waiting for a while for something. Troy, I need to worship God right now because I feel it. Come to these prayer warriors. They want to pray for you. They want to pray over you, and they want to connect with you. So I, I, I encourage you, if you feel that, to come pray with them. I'll be up here. I will pray with you as well if you need prayer. But these men and women are here to pray for you. So let's pray. 
Um, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, first off, just thank you for today, Lord, and just thank you for the, the time that we have to, to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ and to worship you and to, to hear from, from your word. Lord, you give so much good word. Lord, you give us so, so many good examples of how to live zealously. Lord, but I want to pray specifically for our, 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 zeal, our zeal in times of waiting. Lord, it is so hard to wait. When we're waiting on something big, even when we're waiting on something small, Lord, we start to get annoyed and we start to get frustrated, Lord. But I pray that we know that your plan is righteous and your, your plan is good. And so we can wait in zeal for you. Lord, I also pray that we, that we pray zealously for you, Lord, because you hear our prayers. Nothing's too big, nothing's too small that you won't hear. So I pray that in our times of prayer, when we're praying for someone or praying for something, that we know that you hear us and we can have zeal through that process. Lord, I also pray that in our times of worship, we have zeal for you because you are worthy of praise, no matter our circumstances, no matter our feelings, no matter our victories, no matter anything going on in our life, you are worthy of our worship. Lord, so I, I pray over these men and women today that they can go out and live zealously for you. And if they have prayer requests or they're waiting for something, you want to talk to somebody that they have the courage to come up and talk to our prayer warriors today. Lord, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your son. It's your name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all, if you need the prayer team, please come up. If not, I pray you go out and, and live zealously for him this week. Y'all have a good one.